0: On this episode of the Pack It Up High, we talk about being at the halfway, quote-unquote, part of the season. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. And with that, let's go Pack.
1: Third down and five. Roger, same side. And this time...
0: There's that train, baby. <laughs> yeah, good timing. <laughs> Ooh, good pause. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Pack It Up Packers podcast. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Hey, 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 hey. what's up, everyone? Enjoying your mai tais at the beaches? Ooh. We are we are at the bye week, which, as we've discussed on our personal level. It's nice that it's this late and that it's this kind of perfect timing, but stats-wise, screws up everything in terms of wanting to double it to eight I'm, I'm not good at math. No. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode, we're just going to kind of cover what's happened thus far, look a little bit ahead to what's happening in these final six games of the season. So let's start with this, the prime spot of this team. Who is your first, quote-unquote, 10-game MVP of the year?
1: Finn, I'll let you go first.
0: No, I was going to let you go first because <laughs> I thought you might
2: go with the coaching staff. If I'm going first, got to take the obvious pick, Aaron Jones. I, he's He's been a dual threat that we weren't quite sure we were going to be able to get out of him. We weren't quite sure the coaches were going to call the right kind of plays or schemes in the, within this offense to get him the ball in the passing game. But he's got 35 catches on 45 targets. So out of 45 passes, only 10 have not been complete. He's got 354 yards receiving. There's been points in the year where he only has 354 yards rushing. And he's on track for right about 1,000 yards, 589, uh, 10 games through. He's been pretty available and healthy for us. The split with Jamal Williams has been, I think, a blessing that we're able to keep both of these guys fresh. We just saw... Uh, in their game against the Panthers, uh, both of those guys were fighting for extra yardage, even to the tune of some of the Panthers players standing around them while they were still in the in the playing field fighting for extra yardage. They were Panthers that weren't diving onto the pile, and these guys were out there fighting for extra yardage. So to see that from running backs that are on their 10th game in a row, super impressive. And I really think this offense wouldn't be the same without either of them, but specifically Aaron Jones, since he's the statistical leader in the backfield.
1: You know, it's very funny, Finn, that you said you thought I was going to say the coaching staff because that was my number two behind Eric Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I set it up for you. <laughs> and, you know, the reason I have the coaching staff as the MVP um, is because they have had to piece and pick this team, you know, put them together. There there, are, there are some huge holes on our defense, and Pettin is trying to cover them up the best he can. Um, with with some crazy coverage zone man coverages and then Lafleur has developed this offense from what we were very scared about weeks one through four we didn't quite see what he was seeing right Mm -hmm. Um, I mean you know everyone Aaron Rodgers Devontae Adams included said hey just wait till like week six week seven you know and then you'll actually see what we're doing and sure enough we see what they're doing. They're running the ball. They're getting the balls to their playmakers however they can and trying to get the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands as fast as possible, even though he fights it from time to time. Um, but I am so impressed with what Lafleur has done his first year as a rookie head coach. Never really played called until last year at Tennessee um, and really didn't succeed there. And here he is, 8-2, and two, going into a bye week. The team's healthy, and we have a legit chance at compete competing for the Super Bowl.
0: I like how you, you thought about coaching staff, and yet you somehow m- absolutely missed the mastermind. Goot is our MVP. Oh Smith, Smith and Amos single-handedly have cashed out beyond belief. Because you think about Amos had an interception in the end zone, and then two deflections, four interceptions in the end zone. He single-handedly has changed the game by 21 points on just those three plays alone. But if I'm picking an actual player... As the most valuable player, I'm actually going to say Zedaria Smith. I know Preston Smith Mm -hmm. has more sacks, an interception, and a forced fumble. But Zedaria Smith has single-handedly brought this defensive group together with his personality. Preston is a very quiet individual. Zedaria Smith is a guy that not only is he going to take the fault for weed in his car, he's (laughs) going to also push this defense (laughs) to be more of a unit that I think, regardless of how he does, that we talked about Carolina, that he wasn't necessarily on the stat sheet, but he was definitely making plays. On field and off field, I don't think there is a bigger player and a bigger impact to this Packers team as Darius Smith. All great picks. I, I caught a bit of Clay Matthews running
2: around for the Rams last Sunday, and it brought some nostalgia, nostalgia back. Uh, But I can't also say that we miss him with what we've seen out of Zedarius and Preston Smith. That's been such a blessing for the defense. It's covered up some issues that we we, we probably will address on this podcast. Uh, It's covered them up because between between the two of them, they got what, 18, 19 sacks?
0: 18 and a half officially, which is... They were league leaders going into the weekend, and then they added to that total. So they are the best duo in the entire NFL for sacks, which wow. is unbelievable. Wow. So so three great names, but since you brought up
2: Gudikunz, let's just highlight – the uh, joy that we are in as we head into the Christmas season at eight and two as Packer fans, the snow is falling in Wisconsin. We're already hitting a high of, you know, 18 degrees or whatever it is in the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> but just remember a quick three months ago when we started this podcast in its infancy stage and the topics of conversation were Tim Boyle and Dexter Williams and Darius Shepard. Oh, but. One of them was Alan Lazard. Somehow that guy has 220 Ooh. yards receiving. But Darius Shepard, one catch for two, one catch for one yard, excuse me. He hasn't even gotten the second yard yet. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Boy, how lucky are we that we've been so, ha- so healthy, excuse me.
0: When I had to look at this MVP list, and out of all the categories that were kind of going to trickle through in this episode, the MVP was the hardest one for me to select, which sounds super Homer and super biased, but it just shows you how kind of – expectations were blown away by how these first 10 games went at eight and two.
1: Yeah. And Dan brings up a great point. We are like, we, when is the last time the Packers have been this healthy at this part in the season at any time,
0: everybody knock on wood, everybody knock on wood, (laughs) let alone
1: going into our bye week everybody is healthy. So just imagine everybody's not only going to be healthy, they're going to be well-rested ready to play the 49ers. I mean, this, this is a perfect spot for us to be in. Um, everybody's starting to click and actually understand what we're doing as a team. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that our defensive line starting to look like they're, they're putting some good games together. Um, and our wide receivers are seeming to play a little better, some of them at least. Um, so I'm excited to see what we can put together.
2: Yeah. And the veterans understand that opportunity that Josh just brought up. It's rare that you get to week 11 in the NFL a, you have a bye week. B, you're pretty healthy. you got a few guys on IR that probably would have contributed, but they weren't going to be your, your top statistical producers in any category for rushing or receiving. Rodgers made the comment, I think in his post-game comments uh, against, after the Panthers game, saying, we have an opportunity at hand. And he was really speaking to the younger younger guys on the team, saying, this opportunity doesn't come all that often, so don't Mess up when you go home for the weekend, because a lot of times you'll get in. You'll get a news report saying someone was caught with some substance in the car or someone was drinking. We've with already their got friends. through
0: that. We're good. Right. We're good. Maybe we gotta, maybe we we're through our issues September. there.
2: <laughs> and they, they pick the right substance that the NFL sort of shoves that one under the rug. But uh, we're, we're in for an exciting uh, six game stretch to finish the year. Hopefully, they can come out of that fairly healthy with some hold f- home field positioning. But there are some things we got to shore up. Not everything's uh, roses, not everything's smelling like roses uh, 10 games in.
0: And that's a perfect transition. We go from the highest highs to the lowest lows. We won't say at least valuable player because I think that could be misconstrued. Who has just disappointed you that when we started this all the way back? At the, the end of kind of training camp, who has been the most disappointing player on the Packers?
1: You know, I have two that I'm sort of fighting between, but, you know, I, I'm just going to go Blake Martinez. You know, he's a solid leader on our defense, you know, and honestly, a solid player. But I honestly thought this was going to be his year where he proved to us he was an elite middle linebacker. And he's just proven to me that he is an average middle linebacker. He definitely cannot defend against the pass. Um, and he's weak against the run. He, he's a solid tackler, you know, whenever he does get there. Um, and he does disrupt every now and then. But the the lack of forced fumbles, the lack of presence in a pass rush, and just the lack in pass coverage, just I'm, I'm very disappointed with how he's playing.
2: And I got to take the guy in front of him. He finally had a good mm-hmm. game against the Panthers. Yeah, baby. Yeah, and you know, this guy's going into the opportunity to get a a new a huge contract, uh, you know, maybe not set a record for a defensive tackle, but to be up in that top 5 of D tackles getting paid, he's the reason that the Packers defense should be able to get away with a guy like Blake Martinez, who's a sure thing from a tackling perspective but not real solid in the run or pass game. And, and and it's funny that we're blessed enough to say a guy that has 102 tackles after 10 games is one of our biggest disappointments. I mean, the guy's healthy and he's out there, right? What should be freeing him up to actually go make some more plays, and I'm not taking this off of Blake Martinez. He, he has not played as well as I'd hoped either. But Kenny Clark, hopefully you're rounding into form coming off the bye week. I was actually hoping that at some point in the last month or so, we would have caught a leak of some news from inside the locker room saying he's actually dealing with an ankle or a shoulder, something that would have justified the lack of plays he's making. Um, I I just expected more out of him this year. He's still got time to redeem himself, but what he should have been freeing up is a little more of an opportunity for Blake Martinez to run scot-free into that gap. And as I say that out loud, I understand that you could also pull out plenty of plays on film where Martinez has had that alley to shoot and he still gets – Uh, I'm going to say ran over it's a bit aggressive of a term because he makes the tackle but he loses three yards in the process but I really just expected Kenny Clark to create some of those pressures like we saw against the Panthers and actually bring the quarterback down as a part of that
0: (laughs) yeah I had on my list Kenny Clark number one and it crushes me because I made that list before this last game and he did show up but I expected that more often throughout this whole year of he doesn't need to get sacks but he at least on certain plays needs to be that figure in the middle of the field. And we have gone way too many weeks of literally never hearing his name an entire game. And that's not what you need out of somebody in the defensive line that's that's kind of focused on the run is to not be existent the entire first nine weeks of the season. And so I I give it to Kenny Clark as the most disappointing. I hope that this Carolina game is the first of many. I hope that the Smith brothers, especially since they should be taking a lot of pressure off of him. They should be pushing things outside. And the fact that he hasn't established himself in the middle of the field is so disappointing. I completely agree with Josh. My only thought is, I don't think Blake was ever in my mind an elite linebacker. I thought he was a solid linebacker and I could make the argument that that's what he's been this year is he's gotten tackles and he stopped things that he's he's tried to stop. If you give him people around him and up front is at least putting a little bit more pressure through the center, I don't yeah. think we're it's as big as a liability as he's been. I think he's fine. I think he's fine as a player. I just it, if he's not an all all being stop everything he's not that kind of player to begin with yeah
2: and if if you look at the packers of yesteryear specifically when clay matthews would be banged up kenny clark was putting the the pass rush and the run defense on his back and single-handedly carrying them he was outperforming every other player so i read uh warren sharp over the the bye week here Warren Sharp, he actually cons- he's, he runs his own website with a bunch of next-gen stats, I'll call them, or advanced statistics, but he actually consults for quite a few teams in the NFL, too. And he's not allowed to say who, but he was on a podcast recently where he said, the Packers can't stop the run. Everyone knows that, but it's specifically up the middle and then to the left side of the offense. So really where you would see Zedarius lining up a little more so than Preston. But because of the Smith brothers and the and what they've brought to this defense, if Kenny Clark would play to what we've come to expect out of him that would free up essentially Lancaster Lowry Rashawn Gary Kyler Fackrell to be making a ton of plays because those three guys Smith Smith and Clark would be demanding so much attention it's a missing piece that the season's not washed up for him yet he's still got a a a possibility to make an impact Um, but boy if we could just get the Kenny Clark of the last couple years this front line looks a lot different
1: yeah, and that that was who I was, you know, that's who I was battling back and forth to pick, you know, either Blake Martinez or Kenny Clark. And I I think Blake Martinez have, has a little bit more of the play from looking at what uh, Kenny Clark has been able to do uh, at certain times, uh, like eating up double teams and whatnot, and still providing a lane for Blake Martinez. But Blake isn't making the plays like he has been in the past. Um But, yeah, the other player I wanted to bring up on offense, though. Yeah, yeah. uh, Say it. Say it. Oh, Oh, I was going to (laughs) say I was going
2: to say I'm shocked no one's brought up either MVS or Geronimo.
1: MVS is the one, man. What happened? What what are they what are their plans with him? Is he is he doing something wrong in practice? Is he not running routes like everybody else? I mean, like, why is he not seeing the ball and seeing the field?
2: Yeah, Bob McGinn talked about he got benched against the Panthers um, specifically after having a very poor run-block uh, play. I forget the exact details of that play, but you know maybe run-blocking's got something to do with it. He did have a bit of an injury that he was playing through, so maybe that's got something to deal with it. it but if you told me MVS 10 games through has 420 yards, uh, first of all, I would have thought he was in the car with Rashawn Gary and Zedaria Smith. But, <laughs> but second of all... You know, he's got 42 targets at the halfway point. He's trending towards about 750 to 800 yards. We were hoping our number two could get us a thousand yards because we figured Devante was going to be there too. But if they ended up at 800, I would have been pretty happy. So MVS statistically, when he gets the ball, it's on a big play. So that's saving him in the yardage category. But I would just argue, you know, or not argue, I guess I would agree that you could say the wide receiver two and three positions have been a letdown. Because if you would throw Geronimo in there, 23 catches for 211 yards. He's averaging under 10 yards a catch. Just two touchdowns. Uh, one of those I vividly remember was just schemed open beautifully. Anyone anyone could have ran that route. Uh, I just expected more from these guys, and they're making do without it because of really the the capacity of the running backs in the passing game. Um, but boy, wouldn't it be great if one of these guys became legitimate into this home stretch?
1: And we even said at the beginning of the you know beginning of the season on this podcast that we were so excited to see this wide receiver crew once we hit the regular season because we we thought it was one of the deepest that we've had in a long time and boy were we wrong i mean like well,
2: maybe maybe the guy to watch is alan lazard
1: maybe but i but i still feel like alan lazard is just that guy that helps you get the first down he's not the you know he's not the big play get open all the time kind of guy
2: Uh, yeah my question is is he the guy that rogers finds on scrambles that really looks like that's become his role and yeah the old
1: randall cobb
2: yep if that's all we get out of him that's that might be all we need out of that receiving core
0: yeah that's true that's true yeah i think that's a disappointing thing is if your number two receiver goes on a three game stretch of one catch and four yards which is currently what MVS is on. And I understand Ooh, he might wow. be injured. That's not good. No. And so in a dream scenario, you have Adams who is the perfect route runner. You have MVS that is the deep threat and you have a Lazard that cleans up everything within 10 yards. That is a successful offense. And the fact that MVS we've, we've it's well noted and we've talked about it multiple times on multiple episodes, MVS disappears. And yes, he'll have those games where he goes for 144 yards, but it ends up being two catches. I have almost said to myself that Adams will always be number one as long as Adams is a Packer. I think Lazard is number two just because he is that release valve. He is that guy that you at least feel confident mm. that he will make that catch. That while MVS probably has more talent and more ability to be a number two receiver, he has not shown it over the last few years on a consistent basis, which is what you need from a number two. You need that number two guy to be like, regardless of what happens, he'll get 50 yards, we'll be fine. Yeah, You can't have – zero receptions
2: over two weeks and lazard in the run game is fun to watch he's a willing and able blocker and he's a big body <laughs> so ryan i i think i agree with your point so let me put it this way since it's a midseason review podcast we're recording mvs has 420 yards in 10 games lazard has 220 so exactly 200 yards behind him does alan lazard finish with more yards than mvs
0: Ooh, because i would argue that lazard has only played five weeks so he's, yeah, he can- is 220 yards in half the games. Uh, I, I, whew, I actually think MVS probably ends up being ahead, but I'm it's within 60 yards. It's very, very close.
1: Yeah, I'd say MVS. Uh, but that's hoping that Aaron Rodgers and him, you know, hit a couple of these bombs that he's given him every game. You know, it, all he has to do is hit two or three, and that's three or four games that Alan Lazard would total, right? Uh, so I, I hope that one
2: of you— I was hoping one of you guys would go bold. I don't need another T-shirt bet in my
0: repertoire, but I I, uh, I wouldn't. Graham, Graham out receives MVS by the end of the year. Jimmy Graham
2: out no, receives like number of. Re- I'm saying he's got five more catches than MVS does. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if Lazard finishes with more yards. I see him steadying out to, you know, 60 yards a game where, like we said, MVS may have an 80 yard game, but then he's going to have these games where he has one catch for four yards. I, I don't know where he's going during these games, but hopefully it is just uh, recovering from that midseason uh, slight injury he had, and he comes out of this bye week a little fresher.
0: To be honest, I think my best my my bet I would actually make is that by the end of the season, the top three receivers are Adams, Jones, then Lizard. Mm, Jones is already number three, so that's pretty doable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about moment. What is the moment thus far in this first 10 weeks where you look back and you kind of get chills, you kind of get excited? I will start with mine. Lazard's 35-yard touchdown against the Lions, mm-hmm. not only to come back and win that game purely because of that play, but the, the excitement that Lazard had. He's flexing at the crowd. You have Rodgers kind of going back to the coaching staff being like, He's in now. Like it's at that moment I'll probably remember the most out of these first ten games. How about you guys?
1: Well, damn it, that was mine, Foose. Uh, but my second one, because I'm always for the underdog, so I'm always rooting for uh, somebody to come out of the come out of the bushes. Um, but the second one that I would have to go with is actually opening week versus Chicago. Uh with our defense stop, stopping Chicago's offense to three points. You know, at at the time, you know, Chicago and Trubisky were all you know, hype, hyped up, you're right. Um and here our defense who has been giving up a million points and yards through the years, stopped the team to three points. Um and I, I just remember the excitement around Green Bay Nation after that game as we finally have a defense and uh it, it, it's It's just cool to finally see that we actually have a complete team now as opposed to just a quarterback. Both
2: great picks. I thought about uh, going with the recency bias, the tone that they established by stopping Christian McCaffrey when everybody and their grandmothers knew that Christian McCaffrey's getting the ball. With no time left in the game to win it, you get a backup outside linebacker really playing like a a nose guard position on the defensive line, uh, shredding the left guard and making a tackle. That was fun to watch, but it's too recent, so I'm going to jump back a few weeks. Can I go with the first two and a half quarters against the Cowboys?
0: I had that as my number two. I (laughs) had that as my number two.
2: So it plays. So this was billed as a huge matchup coming in. Who's for real and who isn't? And that may have actually panned out that way from what we've seen, uh, you know, 10 weeks in. But the Packers at one point were up 31 to 3 in the middle of the third quarter against the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. And this was one of those, you know, we may even see Dallas in the playoffs. Who knows how the schedule pans out here. But. This was just a game where it's like, are we legit? Have we played anyone? We're not quite sure. The Vikings were starting to look like garbage. The Broncos we knew weren't going to be good. Um, that Cowboy game was maybe the most we've seen the Packers click on all cylinders. And it wasn't for the full game because we let Dallas back into it. Uh, but f- while it was 31-3 to 3 for two and a half quarters, we're like, this is what Green Bay could look like and hope they hit that form for the playoffs.
1: Yeah. And I forgot to bring up the play in the Bears game with <laughs> the play. I wanted to point out was when Amos picked them off uh, and it just made Goudekets look good. It looked Amos look good and it looked, made us look good on defense.
0: I think those are all good as there's something and we all texted each other. We are now all technically Southerners, but snow at Lambo at night, especially mm. during a Packers win. is a magical experience. I, I got to experience it when the Bears came on Christmas Day uh, a few a few years back. It's just it's. Unreal. It's so pretty. (laughs) pretty.
1: When Aaron Rodgers was throwing the bomb at the end, like I'm like, no, don't throw it. But as soon as that ball was released, you're like, oh, it's so beautiful.
2: (laughs) It's like that, it's like that warm, comforting feeling. For those who have never been a part of it, it's like that warm, comforting feeling you imagine of a, a winter night while you're reading a book by the fireside and you're underneath your favorite blanket and you're just at home and you're comfortable ironically it's that same feeling when you're in lambo and it's snowing and aaron Rodgers is leading a touchdown drive you're just like i'm at home somehow it's (laughs) somehow it's warm inside a lambo stadium which it just does they pack us in like sardines and you're like unzipping your coat all of a sudden in zero degree weather you're like i'm not even that cold (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing
0: better than watching those games so let's do some random pickums and we'll see how this goes the first one is one of these two individuals needs to get paid next year. Who are you more willing to pay, Blake Martinez or Kenny Clark? Uh,
1: for sure, Kenny Clark, because I think we can get him at an extreme discount right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, he's not playing his best ball right now, and the stats aren't there, um, and the play's not there on film. Uh, So he's he's got a lot of work to do if he wants a top tier contract here uh, at the end of the year. But I I think for sure we have to keep Kenny Clark. Uh, Guys like him are harder to find than guys like Blake Martinez.
2: Yeah, that's that's my exact point that I was going to make. And and hopefully Kenny Clark gives us a playoff run where he can demand more money. And I think I think that would be a good problem to have. Uh, But you're not going to draft a D tackle, even in the first round that comes in and plays 65 snaps a game and commands double teams like Kenny Clark can. And Kenny Clark's still young. I I don't have his direct age in front of me, but I think he's still like 24 years old. So he's still younger than some first year guys in the league because he came in. I think at 20 years old, just insanely young. So I think he's one you got to pay. For Blake Martinez, I would say you've been a great player for us. We recommend you look at the open market to see what's available out there, and we would love the opportunity to match or at least respond to the offers you get because he may be asking for 10 to $12 million a year, and I don't know if teams are really going to give him that. So I think there's still this option where they could pay both as long as Blake doesn't get like – I was going to say the Jaguars, but like you know, the Cincinnati Bengals saying, oh, we just need anybody. We'll pay him twelve million a year." But there's, I think, there's also a possibility that you say, "Hey Blake, we're going to shore up this D line in front of you. You're going to continue to make 150 tackles a year for us. We just can't give you 10 million. Are you good with six or seven? In that case, I'd love to have both back. But if you got to pick one, I think you got to go Kenny Clark. No
0: brainer. I don't think if it's, I don't think it's a no brainer straight up. Kenny Clark is 24 years old, which is way younger than he I think he should be overall this season he has a total of 34 right okay not not great the only reason I think you can make a statement for Blake Martinez is you know he's a solid linebacker that if you did get another inside linebacker that was that all-encompassing technically first round or maybe even a second round pick I think he's a serviceable person that you go I would rather have a guy that I know can make tackles if he's the second in line within my linebacker group. The ceiling for Kenny Clark is just so high. I just wish – man, I wish he would perform. I wish he would perform so well. But like we mentioned, maybe it's one of those things that we get both these guys at a discount where it's just like, look, you can go test the open market. But I don't know, but I would pick Kenny Clark a slimmer margin than I think both of you guys would.
1: Well, and, you know, I think Kenny Clark is actually turning a corner. You, you saw him kick it up a notch versus Carolina. I mean, he could record, you know, five sacks in these last six games and uh, finish the season with six and a half sacks, which is more than he had last year. Oh so, Are you arguing that he's chance.
2: he's <laughs> taking a cue from the NBA and he's just been practicing load management
0: for the first ten weeks?
1: Yep, yep, yep. and he's going to show up in the playoffs and at the end of the season.
0: So Dan mm. is ready to change his Gary bet to Kenny Clark over on oh, after- no two and a half <laughs> <laughs> I might have better odds so here's another kind of random one this is a this is definitely a homer based situation Taylor falls in the draft are you willing to take him with your first round pick or are we good with the Jamal Jones backfield? no that is such a a hard
2: one one. that's such a hard one because i'd love to spend that pick and i guess i have to go with the homer answer you'd love to spend that pick i think i had a middle linebacker on another corner a defensive lineman we need a backup tackle i don't believe in alex light that now would be a good time to start grooming a guy to get ready to take over for belaga or maybe even Bakhtiari at some point um But how would you say no to Jonathan Taylor? They made the mistake already of passing on T.J. Watt, the hometown kid, over Kevin King, who's been our weakness out of the corners. Would you be able to pass on another Badger that's been so uber productive? <clears throat> and excuse me, and he's got a lot of Aaron Jones in him, which is the big question mark, which is probably why you pose this question, right? Is he's not a Jamal Williams run you over type? He's a little more Aaron Jones slasher. He's he can dance a little bit in the backfield and then hit the hole. From what I've heard, I mean, being a, a big Badger fan and a season ticket holder until I moved, he had a faster uh, burst speed. So think of Le'Veon Bell's running style, where he could sort of dance in the backfield, find the hole, and then get up to uh, top speed. Just in the blink of an eye, he had a faster burst speed than Le'Veon Bell had tested uh, in college, Jonathan Taylor has. So that could be lethal in the right offense. I don't know how you'd pass on that. I'd want them to take him, even knowing we have other weaknesses to address.
1: If it was the first round, I would have to pass. Now, if he drops into the second round, he's I'd take He's going to the first him. round. Yeah, he's going um, to the first round. That's the problem. But- that's but, the
0: question, Josh. That's Stop changing the, yeah. the goal oh,
1: <laughs> Let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> I, I, just, I just think there are way too many holes on our team. I mean, we, we are very lucky this year. Like we said, we are very healthy. Uh, but if one of our defensive ends were to go – or uh, outside linebackers, the Smith brothers were to go down – we got I, Gary. This is a this is a completely different season, boys. <laughs> uh, there there are multiple holes on defense. You know, either we need corner depth, we need middle linebacker, we need defensive line, um, and like Dan said, we need offensive line. We need to start building depth again because guys are starting to get up there in age. Um, it, there's just too many needs for us to have that want right now, as my dad would always say. Well, we're uh, still
2: y- <laughs> we're still young on D line, but I get your point. I, we don't have depth. Outside of really the the three starters, Kiki and Montrevious Adams haven't come along yet. It's funny you bring up if outside linebackers get hurt, we'd be in a worse position. Yeah, you can say that for every. if Khalil Mack goes down and Von Miller goes down, then they're all worse off. I think the only team watching a 49ers game the other night, the only team is our next opponent where they could lose an edge rusher and still have a lethal defensive line. You'd love to build something like that. And I think that's your point, right, is you'd love to build something along that position where guys get their ankles rolled up on, it seems like on a weekly basis, provide some depth. And that pass rush department uh, where you can never have enough of those guys.
1: Well, and we have a chance now. We I mean we have a blueprint to create a Super Bowl winning defense, you know, not just you know Super Bowl winning quarterback in an offense, but we have a chance to create something that will last for years to come and be very dominant for years to come.
0: Yeah, my my initial take is first round, we shore up the center of the defense, second round. I would absolutely love for a offensive weapon, whether that's wide receiver, uh, just to fill it. I feel like we we made such great strides defensively this offseason. I would love to say, hey, we're going to we're going to fill in those gaps. We're going to get what the young guys continue to grow. But Rodgers, don't worry. We got a stud wide receiver that will for sure be a top three threat, regardless of whether it's Lazard, MVS, Geronimo, all those people. That's my my take. But that center you know, of the D needs so much damn help that we need somebody. We need somebody there.
2: We'll have plenty of time for draft talk. Let's hope both Kenny Clark and Blake Martinez start making plays for the next six weeks because we got the chance to make a, a great run coming up here at I mean, the opportunity for home field advantage is staring at us. After the the 49ers had lost to the Seahawks and then they had to play this weekend and the Packers are off resting, sipping Mai Tais on the beach, like I said, uh, we have the opportunity to get the 49ers in a tired game. You know, although we're traveling to them, they may be a little weary after playing three games in 13 days.
0: So let's actually talk about that. Let's talk about where do we think the Packers will end up this season. I'm going to lead it off with this. The Packers, so when you're looking at NFC specifically, I really think we're fighting against three other teams, the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Vikings. Anybody coming out of the NFC East I think is just going to end up being in there. But I really think it comes down for specifically those top two spots for clubs. You don't think the Saints? It, Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Saints are Saints are there as well. If you're looking at schedule, though, the Packers have the easiest schedule in these last games. The records of the teams that they face are 25, 30, and 1. Everybody else that's fighting for those top two spots have at least 30 wins or more. And if you're looking at the 49ers, which mm-hmm. this game has turned into the game of the season— Assuming the 49ers beat the Arizona Cardinals during this bye week, the 49ers face the Packers, then the Ravens, later in the year, Rams and Seahawks. Seahawks again in Seattle. And Seahawks face Eagles, Vikings, Rams, 49ers. You have the Vikings that are – it truly is one of those things that I really do think the Packers have a one game, they'll lose. It's going to happen. I even think that they might have a two-game buffer and that that four losses is still good enough to get them into that top two slots. And the best-case scenario out of this whole thing is it happens every like three or four years where you have a, a team that's very, very good, but record-wise they jump down. I mean, even if the, the wheels fall off of this, they maybe end up as a fifth seed and they face the NFC East which might be Cowboys or Eagles. So regardless, how well do we think that they have a shot at these top two spots and that most important buy in week one of the playoffs? Don't you think it's a disappointment
2: if we don't get it? I mean, we're standing at eight and two with the remaining six games. If you – if you just stare at them on paper, let's say we lose to at 49ers and at Vikings, we really should take care of Giants, Redskins, Bears. Week 17 against the Lions, maybe they're trying and we're not. I don't know, but you should win that too. That gets you 12-4, and, and and you can slice these up either way. At Giants might be one of these sleeper games after being West Coast with the 49ers. Maybe that's closer than we want it to be. Maybe we beat the Vikings, but then the Lions surprise us and we weren't coming into that week. We were getting ready for the playoffs. I don't know. But at 12 and 4, you should at least have a bye week, I would think. The way this is shaping up, I don't know if that's good enough for home field advantage, though. So I really think you got to pull one out against the Niners or Vikings and then win the games you should go 13 and 3, and then your home field advantage for the entire playoffs.
1: Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Uh, I, I think we lose two games and I don't think we have home field advantage throughout, but I think we get the buy. Um, it, it's going to come down to that last week, though. Like like you guys said, there are a lot of good NFC teams this year. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think, honestly, the, the the ones that you listed, I, either, any of them could win the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, I don't want to play any
2: of them. No, and I don't <laughs>
1: even want to play the Cowboys or Eagles either. I mean, yes, they're not as good as the others that we listed, but – they have dynamic offenses that can score at will at any time, you know, if, if they're clicking. Um, so it, uh, it's going to be a very fun playoff picture once we get there, um, and hopefully we at least get one home game.
2: I definitely wish we were in the AFC because right now two of their playoff teams are Bills and Steelers, which I would be happy to face. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. If you look at the NFC, the worst team is the cow. The worst team by far making the playoffs is the Cowboys, and we took care of business, but they're still a very good team. last yeah. has to be but the Vikings, Saints, Seahawks, and Niners all should scare you in their own respective ways. So it it would be, well, hopefully, you know, knock on wood again, it'll be a hell of a ride uh, to the playoffs, but it's going to be a challenge once we get there. So any sort of bye week or home field advantage is going to be huge. I don't see us resting starters at all.
0: Yeah, Foose,
1: you brought up a good point saying how everybody else has their tough, tough part of their schedule at the end here. You know, the Packers took care of business at the front end of this schedule. You know, five of the teams that we faced uh, have winning records. Um, And we beat them all. Um, And we we continued a home field advantage ish, you know, with a five and one record, which, you know, could have been six and oh. But I I just love that they took care of business against some very tough competition at the beginning part of the season.
0: Yeah, and that's where I think the, the, the schedule actually works out in our favor. I'm I'm weary of that West Coast trip out to the 49ers because we in recent years haven't been great coming out of buys. So let's see what Lafleur can can dial up. As you guys mentioned, that kind of middle part of the order in terms of facing Giants, Redskins, Bears, I would hope we would win, especially that Bears game being at home. Scary Vikings on the road. It could get to the point where that Lions last game of the season is they're out of the playoff position position stafford sits it ends up being one of those that lines have always given us troubles we face them on the last game that doesn't matter and they hopefully pack it up and go home literally pack it up uh (laughs) but, but i i i think that especially especially the fact that the top two teams in the NFC, in my opinion right now, are 49ers and Seattle, which we are never good on West Coast playoffs. And I don't want to go down that history lane because mm-hmm. it's miserable. I sure as hell don't want to go down to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. To, it's, it's weird because I don't think there's as much pressure on this team because they've over exceeded what we thought they would be. But now there's this added pressure of you've made it this far. Why not go one step further? If they can remove the fact of going to one of those cities until potentially the NFC championship, this, this season is, is, I don't think they're, they're built necessarily right now for a deep playoff run, but if you're at Lambeau, if you're facing, you know, you're already getting a first round by it immediately turns into a, this is our year because they have the pieces and they have the raw talent. And if the schedule works out. It gives them a ginormous leap into that Super Bowl position.
1: You bring up a great point. You know, we're not built for a super, super dominant, you know, Super Bowl run. Right. You know, we don't have the full uh, every piece that we need, Uh, but we do have what what you need to win in the playoffs, you know, turnovers, sacks. Uh, a running game. Um, all those things are what people do in the playoffs to get wins. Um, so, and, and that's all I've been saying all year: just get us to the playoffs. Let Aaron Rodgers work his magic when we're there. Let Jair come up with a pick. Let Kevin King come up with a pick. And you, and you know, and we will surprise people because we we find ways to get turnovers in the red zone and stop them consistently for field goals instead of touchdowns. Um, and that's what you need to win playoff football. I'm I'm with
2: Ryan. I got if I had to predict the season, if I had to look into the magic eight ball, I would say the Packers win in the divisional round as as a home team and then either home or away, I still think the team is not built to be a Super Bowl champ. I I would say they're going to lose in the NFC Championship game with a uh an opponent that's unknown, right? But insert 49ers, Saints, Seahawks you know, i hope it's not cowboys or vikings because that would sting a little extra but um and that loss while it would sting when it happened i think we'd all look back a few months later you know come draft time or something and say that was a great first year from the floor they got something to build on while rogers still has gas left in the tank i think we'd be happy with that at the end of the day I'd, you know the diehards aren't going to be happy with anything less than a super bowl ring but I, my prediction for the rest of the year would be a, a loss in the nfc championship game and quite frankly if we predicted that coming into the year, I think most of us would have said, no way are they getting that far. So I'd yeah, be pretty, sure. I'd be pretty happy with it.
1: Yeah. So who, who do you guys have from this point on Super Bowl picks, AFC, NFC?
2: Ooh. Oh, you know, and I, most people would have said 49ers, but after the, watching them against the Seahawks, I don't see enough out of Garoppolo. He, he doesn't put the team on his back in the passing game to my liking, uh, to win a playoff game against a good defense that, you know, they faced with the Seahawks. They're going to face in the playoffs as well. Um, the Packers we just covered, I just don't think the bend but don't break defense has enough in them. I think they're going to give up too many yards and not force turnovers against these better quarterbacks you'd face in the playoffs. Um, so I'd go with the saints from the NFC. I think they're due. I, I wish breeze the best of luck if it's not against the Packers. Um, but after their heartburn from last year, I wouldn't mind seeing them get some redemption. And then, quite frankly, uh, the Ravens look pretty hard to beat right now. So Ravens-Saints, I think, would be a hell of a game. I'd I'd enjoy watching that.
0: I, I, I honestly think that's a really fun matchup. I do think Seattle, because the thing about Seattle is I think their defense is growing. Their offense hasn't somehow added this element of Josh Gordon yet, which who knows what that influx would be, but I think they're picking up I'm going to stick with my AFC pick. I think the Patriots still pull it off. I think that the Baltimore Ravens used up their special magic against the Patriots. But I think Homer the Patriots pick. Defense, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's Patriots, Seattle. And then I actually think Seattle might win it all, which is, is you, crazy to me. Did you know Seattle's defense has given up 49 more
2: points than the Green Bay Packers?
0: Yeah, yeah they had a horrible start to the year.
2: at horrible. And that kind of crazy. Like they're they're towards the bottom of the league in points against.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm sticking with my picks from the beginning of the season. The Saints and the Chiefs, the Super Bowl that should have been. Oh uh, no. I I really think the Saints <laughs> just had one one off week, uh, but I I think the Chiefs they they they've struggled, you know, here recently with Patrick Mahomes being hurt and figuring out everything without him. Um, But I think they get right back on track here at the they have a pretty easy schedule uh, here on out. Uh, So I think they get heated up before the playoffs and uh, just carry that momentum right into the Super Bowl because there's not a lot of competition in the AFC. I mean, you got Baltimore and Patriots, but honestly, there's that's about it.
2: You're putting a lot on Andy Reid clock management in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, baby. Come on, Andy. (laughs) Win win one for me.
0: You're also picking the Chiefs to somehow stop the running game of the Ravens, which oh, no, I no, someone that. else will beat the Ravens, right? I don't, I don't know. Ooh, all right. <laughs> so that will do it for this episode. We will catch you after the bye week when we talk about the ginormous matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. Thanks, everybody. Go back go.